I was sick recently. I had COVID and suffered some nasty symptoms, but no serious complications for which I am grateful. I am feeling much better now and have tested negative. Whenever I am ill, which has not happened often, and I am also very grateful for that, but when I do experience illness, it seems to open up a space inside me to ask some fundamental existential questions. Questions like, what am I doing? And why am I doing it? For instance, I am doing ministry. Why? What is this thing called religion? which has helped to guide my life and which is central to my work. And I say this with the recognition that religion is not a meaningful and maybe sometimes not even a welcome word to all of you. The word religion comes with baggage, I know. And yet, I will talk about religion because my ministry is about supporting individuals, families, Groups joining with one another to engage those big questions that are most often associated with religion. Where do we come from? What are we? Where are we going? And we seek not only to find answers, but to decide how we will respond to the answers we discover. How then shall we live? In this sense, so much of my life has revolved around religion, and one of the questions that arose for me during my illness was, what is that all about? What am I doing, and why am I doing it? And as I prepared for this service, I ran across the reading from the hymnal which Allison shared, written by Ralph Halverson. I thought I was reading it for the first time, though a quick search showed that I have used it in a long-ago service. But the words spoke to my questions in such a way that they felt new. We have religion when we stop deluding ourselves that we are self-sufficient, self-sustaining, or self-derived. We have religion when we hold some hope beyond the present, some self-respect beyond our failures. We have religion when our hearts are capable of leaping up at beauty, when our nerves are edged by some dream in the heart. We have religion when we have an abiding gratitude for all that we have received. And it struck me that part of what I think I am doing and why I think I am doing it has a close connection to our theme for this month, nurturing beauty. We have religion when our hearts are capable of leaping up at beauty. What is it that makes our hearts capable of leaping up at beauty? And why is that important? 
It is not uncommon to think of beauty as something out there. It is a trait, a characteristic, something inherent to a particular night sky or a particular work of art or a particular flower or a particular creature or a particular face or a particular human interaction. Something out there is beautiful in ways that some things out there are presumably not. And my only participation is to notice that beautiful thing. It is not uncommon on the other end of the spectrum to think of beauty as existing only in the eye of the beholder, as the saying goes. There is no inherent beauty, only beauty perceived. My participation in this scenario is vital to there being beauty, as it exists only because I have confirmed it as being beautiful. You may have guessed by positing these as extremes that I do not subscribe to either one. Or maybe I believe that the truth lies somewhere in between. I prefer to think of beauty as a call and response. Sometimes the call comes from out there, eliciting a response from hearts capable of leaping up at beauty. Sometimes... We may do the calling, calling forth the beauty which is only waiting to be recognized. I think of the faces of those high school students we saw in that video from a few weeks ago and how the faces of these people transformed when the filmmaker simply affirmed their beauty. I think of poet Galway Cannell writing, Everything flowers from within of self-blessing, though sometimes it is necessary to reteach a thing its loveliness. Beauty is not only out there, and it is not only in here. It exists as all of life exists in the connection. In the call and the response, and the response and call, and the call that is a response to another call, and the response that calls out for its own response, in the connections, the communications, the combinations, and the collaborations of beauty, beholder, beholder, beauty, beautiful, beholder, beholding, beauty, abounding. I made it through that sentence. We have religion, writes Halverson, when our hearts are capable of leaping up at beauty. And what is implied here is that not all hearts might be capable of that. And further, that religion, something about that which we associate with religion, something about joining with one another to engage those big questions that are most often associated with religion. Where do we come from? What are we? Where are we going? And the all-important follow-up question, how then shall we live? Something about that seems to nurture the capability within our hearts, that capability of our hearts to leap up at beauty. To notice it and to respond when it calls and to call it forth when the beauty within us connects with the beauty of the other, of another, 
of what we know to be beautiful. And if our hearts can lose that capability and can regain that capability, it also means that we may be able to strengthen that capability with practice, to nurture it with intentional care, to develop it as we would develop any other capability. And while I may have at one time thought of this capability as a wonderful byproduct of the much weightier work we engage together here in pursuit of justice and compassion and anti-racism and anti-oppression and social responsibility and collective liberation, where I once may have seen this capability of our hearts to leap up at beauty as a delightful addition to our work, I am seeing it more and more as central to what we do together. Central. How can I say that? Doesn't it seem rather frivolous in comparison? Beauty? I mean, beauty, yes, but what about injustice? What about racism? What about climate change and environmental degradation and war and anti-immigrant rhetoric and policies and poverty and exploitation of the most vulnerable? And I'm sure the list can keep going on in all of our thoughts. Doesn't it seem rather self-absorbed and irresponsible to say that a primary activity of this congregation is to nurture our ability to experience beauty, to respond to the beautiful, to call it forth? Isn't the experience of beauty a reward for our work rather than the work itself? Well, maybe. But think again of these words from Reverend Sean Parker Dennison, who served as minister of this congregation. They were on the screen briefly. Um, Sean Parker Dennison writes, The ability to see beauty is the beginning of our moral sensibility. What we believe is beautiful we will not wantonly destroy. The ability to see beauty is the beginning of our moral sensibility. What we believe is beautiful, we will not wantonly destroy. You may have wondered why we chose to sing our first hymn, Can I See Another's Woe in a Service About Beauty? What is the connection there? It is the connection that Reverend Sean Parker Dennison so clearly expresses. What we believe is beautiful, we will not wantonly destroy. The heart that is capable of leaping up at beauty is also capable of breaking open at another's woe, another's grief, and will seek for kind relief. Dehumanization arises from the willful refusal to recognize the beauty of another, of the other. To recognize the beauty of another makes me vulnerable, as it opens my heart also to their pain, to risk awakening my moral sensibility. We have religion, to paraphrase Ralph Halverson, when our nerves are edged, 
not by the fear of the other and anxiety about tomorrow, but by some dream in our heart. We have religion when we look upon people with all their failings and still find in them good. When we look beyond people to the grandeur in nature and to the purpose in our own heart. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder in that it matters how we prepare our hearts, our minds, our souls, ourselves. It matters how we have nurtured within ourselves the capability to open up to that which is beautiful and thus also open up to that which is hard, that which is sad, that which is tragic, that which is unjust. I don't believe that we each create our own reality. I do believe that we make choices and have some control over how we receive and respond to what is real, to what is beautiful, to that which is painful. Novelist Jody Pico writes, love has nothing to do with what you're looking at and everything to do with who's looking. Anais Nin writes, we don't see things as they are, we see things as we are. <laughs> as I practice being aware of what I bring to each moment, I am more able to see beyond the frustrating filters of distraction and discontent that exist within me. As I nurture my capacity to love, I can more easily call forth that which is lovable in myself and others. There are choices I can make, things I can practice, awareness I can invite. I can turn myself away from my fear toward that which is real. To turn, turn will be our delight. Till by turning, turning, we come round right. Till we come round right here where we can together accept that we are not self-sufficient, we are not self-sustaining, and we are not self-derived. Come round right here where we can together hold some hope beyond the present, some self-respect beyond our failures. Come round right here where we can together nurture hearts capable of leaping up at beauty. Come round right here where we can together express an abiding gratitude for all that we have received. Till by turning we come round right here where we can together look upon people with all their failings and still find in them good. Come round right here where together we encourage and support one another in doing all that we can like that hummingbird. And then in confidence entrust our lives to the life that is larger than ourselves. And that, my friends, is a beautiful thing. <laughs>